Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello and welcome back to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined today by Jim Campbell. How's it going, guys? Jim? Guys? Jim? <laughs> Me. Yeah. Hey, good. How you doing, Chris? Just I'm doing all right. Chris, the only yeah, one I've I'm, got right now. I'm I'm very uh, disoriented by not being able to say, how are you going, guy? How's it going, guys? Uh, Shepard is going to be on the podcast a little bit later. He's actually traveling, and we decided that we were going to give you a little bit of a recap podcast this week because we did not give it. Uh, give that to you earlier in the week. It's been a very hectic week for all of us and trying to get linked up to actually give you that recap of the Texans Colts game just hadn't really worked out very well, but we still did want to give that to you. So this is gonna be a little bit longer pod and hopefully not too much longer, but we did want to take some time to go through that, especially because Jim was there. Uh, yeah. so we need him to have a chance to talk about it and, and give that experience from the ground. Uh, and, and, and a really important game, obviously a game that the Colts really needed to win and they came through in and uh, so we're going to talk about that. But before we get and, and then when Shepard gets here, we're going to go go through our normal game preview podcast that we would do. But before we do that, we're going to jump into a little bit of the news that's going on with the Colts. There's a, there's a good bit of it. And we're going to go through first the injury report. And it's the cleanest one we've had probably since the start of the season, maybe. I mean, it's it's been a pretty banged up season so far. So it's pretty exciting to have a little bit better look on the injury report here. We've got guys that did not practice. Uh, Jabal Sheard and Carl Davis, and in case you're asking the question, who is Carl Davis? He's the guy, he's the guy that they signed last week, uh, the defensive tackle that they signed last week, and that was when that was uh, the corresponding move when Kamoko Ture was put on IR. So if you were not remembering who that was, that's who he is. He did not practice. He's got a hamstring injury. He has not practiced yet this week. Uh, and Jabal Sheard was a full practice participant yesterday, but he's got a foot injury. Uh, I would guess this is a being cautious and resting kind of thing if since he practiced a full practice, but I guess we don't really know. We'll know more on Friday. So by the time you're listening to this, maybe you'll have more information than we do now. Um, that's one to watch because yeah. obviously we've talked about and I've expressed my feeling that Jabal Sheard is probably the biggest difference maker on the defense in terms of how much better they've looked against the run specifically. But uh, it really, in terms of the pass rush, they've looked a lot better with him as yeah. well. So big deal if he is or isn't healthy. Obviously, we need to keep track of that. But the rest of this is pretty good news because we got limited practice uh, from Pierre mm-hmm. Desir. He didn't practice yesterday. I would imagine that they're trying to take it pretty easy on him, but he played. He's got a hamstring that he's still dealing with. Unfortunately, unless they give him a break, he's going to probably have that lingering all season. It's going to be really hard to heal that if he's continuing to play. So uh, hopefully he's getting uh, getting adequate rest and getting some work there. 
um, limited practice for Paris Campbell, which is the second day in a row he's practiced in a limited capacity. I would still be surprised if he plays. Yeah, I, I would be too, but it is nice to see him string a couple more practices together. Absolutely. And uh, it's nice to see also that Taekwon Lewis is limited in practice both days this week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's been out for a while with his ankle injury, and he said he thought he could play. I mean, that was that was what he, that was his comment to the media was that he thought he could play this weekend if he needed to. Again, I would be surprised what if he played just because they don't have any reason to rush him back. But if they could get him yeah. back healthy, he gives them uh, a a big benefit both on the edge and uh, as a defensive tackle if they need him. And uh, Kenny Moore was limited in practice both days this week, and that's encouraging. I was obviously out last Mm -hmm. week with a knee injury, and he's back to limited participation. And again, too soon to tell. We'll see with some of these guys that have been sitting out. It's hard to know what the level of urgency is, and we'll know a little bit more from Friday's report what their actual status for the game is going to be. But then we got the guys who were full participants that didn't practice. So T.Y. Hilton and Roland Milligan did not practice uh, Hilton for a rest day on on Wednesday. And Milligan had a personal issue. Uh, both were full participants. Grover Stewart was uh, out with an elbow on Wednesday, but a full participant today. And uh, then we've got Clayton Gathers, who was limited yesterday. Uh, and it says due to rest. That's very confusing. I don't I don't really understand that designation, but he was a full participant today. Uh, to be perfectly honest, let's hope he doesn't see the field very much. And, uh, <laughs> and, and maybe most importantly is you had Malik Hooker um, with his knee injury. Obviously he's been a full participant in both days in this practice. And so, or in practice both days. And so he, that's definitely a big deal. He probably is going to play. And this Colts defense is far different with him in the back end. They haven't been great with takeaways necessarily. And he gives them a big opportunity to make that happen. And hopefully we'll get to see some of that going forward. And obviously, you know, give them a chance to kind of play as a unit as healthy as they've been in a while. The only thing to watch is going to be Jabal Sheard with his foot injury, whether he is able to to play. And, and, um, you know, he, he was full participant in practice, like we said, uh, Wednesday and didn't practice today. I am hoping that's more of a rest precautionary thing, but if he's, if he's not able to go, that is, that is not good. So, uh, we're going to keep an eye on that and, and watch closely. Hopefully we, um, hopefully we've got some answers on Friday before the game and hopefully they're really positive ones. So I guess we'll see as we go there. Uh, one of the one thing that's pretty cool. I don't know if you've seen this, Jim. I don't know if you watch Good Morning Football. I usually don't. But one of the things that came on uh, that that happened is that this week they do a segment called Angry Runs, and that's just exactly what it sounds like. They give awards for yeah. runs that are angry, that are just like nasty, like nasty stiff arms or people running people over. Uh, so Darius Leonard was the first defensive player ever to win angry runs on good morning football for his nasty stiff arm of Kenny stills after his interception. And that's awesome. And so that's yeah. not really news, but it's pretty excellent. And that stiff arm's great. Yeah. I had a uh, pretty good view of that stiff arm at the game. And it, it was just as it was maybe more enjoyable in person because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the reaction of everybody, it was like, Oh, 
Well, <laughs> is, it, is he okay? It's even better that he's <laughs> he stiff ran over, him, and then he takes a knee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like he could have just gone down, but he's like, no, I'll go down when I want to go down. I'm not gonna be. Yep. I'm not gonna allow you to take me down. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure that there's much more humiliating than somebody just destroying you and then giving themselves up immediately. <laughs> but anyway, so that was awesome. That's not really news necessarily, but I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Um, that no, it's great, and and also, um, Jacoby is the uh, AFC Offensive Player of the Week, and you led me right where I was going. That's exactly okay. Do my next thing, so that's perfect. Uh, yeah, which is really cool. Twenty six for thirty nine, three hundred twenty six yards, four touchdowns, one hundred twenty six point seven QBR. Jacoby Brissett was great. Uh, he's actually yep. also for the FedEx Air Player of the Week. I do not think he's going to win because Aaron Rodgers decided to play out of his mind. Um, insane, but. Still, the fact that he's up for that, that's a that's a really cool thing. And it, it's testament to and we're going to get into, you know, what kind of a game that he had. But he really he played well and uh, he should, definitely he should be be pleased with with his performance. So let's get into that game, Jim, because you were there, as you said. And mm-hmm. uh, so first of all, what was the atmosphere like in this game? Because the, the picture that you sent along was a little irritating because there were some empty seats and that wasn't great. So hopefully it was at least the people who were there were bringing it because that was a little disappointing. That was probably the biggest bummer is those seats, especially the ones directly under the uh, under the window, didn't really fill up at all. Um, actually, I think I heard on the radio uh, or maybe it was on a, a podcast that it was on the it was the lowest attended game so far this season, uh, which kind of shocked me, uh, especially with it being the Texans. Well, uh, and I don't know if I don't know about the, like I assume when they do attendance they don't do it based off of ticket sales but they do it off of door swings maybe I don't know if that's how they yeah do I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure yeah but I wonder, and, and it, because I know I've read some things about this and and you may have heard about this as well that they, they there are some ticket sites that actually struggle with bots purchasing um, purchasing tickets and then reselling them at a markup and I just wonder if mm-hmm. that's a, an issue that. Like if I wonder if those tickets are being purchased and then tr- attempted to be resold and they're not getting resold, uh, so it's like I don't know. I just wonder about that kind of yeah. stuff because it just it, it stinks that people weren't there, but also the game wasn't blacked out, which seems like it would be if those tickets weren't sold, right? So I don't. Yeah, you you, you would think so. I mean, it was you could definitely feel that there was a lower attendance, which in my experience, uh, Texans games usually tend to fill up fairly well because Texans fans are shockingly well represented here. Um, I do not I, understand I that fe- at all. I, I don't either, but I I didn't feel that this time. Um, you know, I saw some Texans jerseys here and there, and maybe it was just my section uh, or, you know, the areas I was at, but I didn't see a lot of them this time. So I feel like there was less Texans fans there. And of course, you know, there was just less people there overall. But that that was the thing that was kind of, a, you know, annoying up front. But ultimately, um, right away, I mean, we got into it pretty, pretty quickly. The, the defense came out and, you know, took care of business pretty quickly and everybody got pretty hyped. Well, so and the thing that's funny about Texans fans is they're like the polar opposite of Titans fans. So Titans fans win one game and think they're the best team in the NFL. <laughs> the Texans w- go on a string of really good wins and they're just like, no, the bottom's about to drop off. It's it's all it's all a mirage. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, we're doomed. Everything is terrible. And 
in that way, it actually endears me to Texans fans. I, I don't like I don't have any ill will toward the Texans necessarily. I obviously want to beat them and I don't want, you know, I, yeah. I think that's a good rivalry, but I don't feel malicious feelings toward the Texans or their fan base. Uh, and, and I just always laugh that they'll like they'll win a game and their fan pulse uh, ratings will go down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll do something um, incredible and it always gets worse. So it always just makes me laugh. Well, I, I you know, that chat that I I shared in a, our Slack channel. Um, yes. The, from Battle Red blog. Yes. From Battle Red. That chat transcript was incredible. I mean, <laughs> it was a perfect window necessarily... into what a Texan's mind is like. <laughs> it really is. You know, I don't want to necessarily promote another site's work, but <laughs> you should probably go read that chat if you're a Colts fan because it's insightful. Yeah, watching the demoralization taking place is definitely enjoy. I know there, there are many of our listeners who would enjoy reading it just because you can watch as their hope begins to die. Uh, mm-hmm. And you'll appreciate that. So, and, and some of those dudes are really funny, yes. like really legitimately funny. And, and so hats off to those guys. It was, it was a fantastic piece, but uh, no, it was uh, my section was, was really pretty hype. The people around me were a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> the the guy next to me and the girl in front of me all agreed roughly at the same time that Jacoby's really good at play action. Um, he sells that fake exceptionally well, and because he had us fooled constantly on that, and that was actually a lot of fun because uh, we were we had a pretty good. Uh, they weren't they were decent seats uh, in zone uh, opposite the window. Uh, so there was a lot of good action that happened on our end. Yeah. And we had a pretty good view of it. Um, like uh, uh, Ebron's one-handed catch was on our end. Um, I couldn't really see his foot in the line. I could see him make the catch. Yeah. Uh, but then people down my section who could see it started screaming that it was a touchdown. And then that kind of just rattled through, you know, the section. And then uh, when they confirmed it, complete hysteria and insanity and it was uh, it was pretty fantastic and then uh, leonard's interception was on our end as well yeah uh and so yeah we, we got to have a pretty good vantage point of some really great moments uh but the the crowd was was great even if there weren't you know as many there as normal uh i think it's it's hard to make that place feel loud when the roof is open uh like you're screaming your butt off and of course you know you're, you're missing a good chunk of people, but you're still screaming and you see the, the meters going up and stuff of whether that that's actually, I assume there's actually a mic reading that somewhere, but with the roof open and the window open, that just all it, that stadium never really out. feels that loud to me. No, Even when it's crazy, it, it just isn't, doesn't have the capacity to be as loud as something like, uh, the RCA dome could where it was just, yeah, just jaw shaking where it was just, you couldn't hardly. Yeah. Um, I've been to some primetime games there where with the roofs closed and stuff and it is at capacity and people are going nuts. Uh, it like, well, the uh, the Kansas City playoff game, yeah. the wildcard game, that was mass hysteria and and it got really freaking loud in there. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it can get pumped up a bit, but I, I think we did pretty good as best we could. Uh, with the circumstances, but um, let's talk about the game a little bit, because this this was a very different game than the Colts have played. They, they've been the They've been the run team, right? They've been like, we're going to run the ball and then we're going to run it. And then when we're done doing that, we're going to run it again. 
Um, and that's paid off to them. They've, they've been able to win games that way. That's how they beat Kansas City. And, they, you know, it's ball control and take the ball out of Jacoby's hands and not rely on him. And we've talked about that we thought maybe that wasn't so much because they were worried about Jacoby as it was. They thought that that gave them their best advantage. They're putting the ball in the hands of, well, in the hands of a run of their talented running back, but also putting him uh, running behind their best unit on their team. And they're utilizing that best unit on the team. This was a very different game. So 30 to 23 Colt win, but Jacoby Brissett, obviously we read his stat line. I mean, he threw the ball Yeah, he did. and he did it right from the gate. I mean, it wasn't like, Oh, the run game is not working. And so we're going to do this. No, this was, clearly part of the plan and they had a banged up secondary for the Texans and they put the ball in Jacoby's hands and said, okay, let's do this thing. And so from the word go, he was, he was throwing the ball. Zach Pascal was involved early. He had a great game, 106 yards, two touchdowns through mm-hmm. a bad attempt that, you know, like you would, if he would have made a better throw, he's maybe throwing for it. He could have literally had a running passing and, uh, receiving touchdown in this game if he had made a better throw. Uh, now he made the, he made one of those he made his running touchdown I think on the drive where he missed the throw so he, he couldn't have taken. Well, and, and that was that was uh, considered a pass because it was a shovel pass. Ah, that's true. That's true. Well, so he he has two receiving uh, touchdowns. Well, so he would have had two receiving and a. As far as I'm passing. concerned, shovel pass looks a whole lot like a toss. <laughs> so I'm I'm. They yeah, I, and, and that's that would be the point when Shepard comes in and says, well, you know, Jacoby had four touchdowns, but actually yeah. one of them was a shovel pass. Yeah. Um, um, but but he, he, you know, he really has stepped up and stepped into that void yeah. of, of another receiver. There just hasn't been anybody else to really step up and fill that. And he stepped in very admirably in there and decided to ruin my bold prediction, which we'll get into a little bit later on in the show, uh, because T.Y. Hilton while having an admirable and good game, had what is considered an off game by T.Y. Hilton standards against the Texans, not against anyone. But I think 74 yards and a touchdown is almost disgraceful when he's playing the Texans. I mean, it's almost like he he just I don't know what his deal was. Uh, if he doesn't score like 150 <laughs> yards against them, if he didn't put those up, that's that means he had an off game. So, um, you know, so Hilton kind of let somebody else take the the limelight a little bit. And then you've got Eric Ebron, who has an incredible game hurdles. The guy the second yep. time this season that he's done that. And um, and you know, just makes this just ridiculous back of the end zone catch that initially is not called a catch or not called a touchdown, not called a catch. And they they throw the challenge flag and, you know, Frank Reich throws the challenge flag. And I think from the home view, I don't know how quickly it was able to be seen there in the stadium, but from the home view, uh, it was pretty quickly evident that this was a touchdown now. Yeah. What, once they put it up on the screen, yeah, I mean, it, it was once the replay was up, it was pretty much immediate that the rest of the stadium knew it was a touchdown. But, like I said, the, the people down the corner of my section knew immediately it was a touchdown. Yeah, but but uh, there's no but, guarantees with the officiating this year that that actually would be called a touchdown because they've been overruling and not overruling things just at whatever whim they happen to be having. And so it wasn't that comforting at the, in the moment thinking that they didn't rule this touchdown and now they're going to have an opportunity to review it because you just who knows whether they're actually going to overturn it correctly. And they did. And, you know, so the Colts, they looked good on offense. Uh, The one thing I want to talk about, so we're going to do winners and losers here in a second. We're only going to do a couple of them because I think Shepard should be about ready to to join us here before too long. But we're going to do winners and losers um, 
But first, I want to talk about the little bit of a letdown because there was a stretch in the game where the Colts mm. offense kind of went to sleep a little bit. And yeah. it didn't look great in a couple spots. So, you know, it wasn't a perfect game by Jacoby. He he did, you know, look really good on the whole, but he also uh, fumbled a snap, which got recovered by the Texans on the six yard line. And obviously that's mm-hmm. not ideal. What is great is that the <laughs> that the Colts uh, defense held them to a field goal on that possession, which was amazing and speaks to how well the defense played against this Texans team. It gets a very good Texans offense. Even though they were missing, um, they they were missing some offensive linemen, and they were missing um, Will Fuller, who left a little bit earlier in this game. But all the same, big performance by the defense. But that was a mistake that was problematic. And then they sort of went into this fourth quarter funk where Jacoby couldn't really move the offense very well. They were kind of determined that they were going to try to keep running the ball, but then all of a sudden they just were doing who knows what they just they couldn't get anything working uh they were making weird runs where marlon mack ran around the end and then ran out of bounds while they're trying to keep the the clock rolling and just things that didn't make a whole lot of sense some some of that discipline that they've had so well kind of fell away in that fourth quarter it made me a little bit nervous and they thankfully were able to pull it out but uh well and and how much of that do you think because I mean it was it was definitely uh evident you know the the momentum and the crowd slowed down quite a bit at that point too other than the defense was playing lights out for the most part but you know they were starting to get a little bit of get a little gas there in the fourth quarter because the the offense was not staying on the field and I know you you've had some thoughts about this throughout the week what do you think is the real cause of it? Do you think that's play calling? I do. I think that Frank Reich struggles a little bit playing from the lead. And I don't, I don't exactly know how to quantify what I mean there, because I'm not saying that he, that he like forgets how to call plays. That would be an absurd thing, but there you call differently when you're in the lead sometimes. And I think this is almost a more traditional way of coaching, especially if you know, you have a really good running game. You want to run the ball. That's I mean, that's of course, that's what you want to do because it burns the clock and it's it's a a better way to, you know, to call plays. But you're playing against a team in the Texans that had a secondary that just was decimated. They're playing the scout team corners at the end of this game because Jonathan Joseph started the game and then then left. Uh, and you got Tashawn Gibson left for a while, their safety and you know, Bradley Roby's not playing their backup corner, like breaks his ankle or had some sort of nasty, I think he foot or ankle, uh, later in that game and went out. And so you're basically playing guys who have no business being on the field. The Texans secondary starters are not great. So it wasn't like, you know, you really would have had steep competition, even with the, the first, uh, you know, the first tier guys out there, but you've got the third and fourth string backups on the field, you ought to be able to move the ball effectively against them. And that was the group they actually struggled with the most. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I think it was a little bit about some of the play calling. I think it was also a little bit about the receivers and just guys who aren't T Y Hilton and Zach Pascal not making things happen. I I've wondered a little bit and you know, we've talked about this a few different times. The, the role of the tight ends has been diminished a little bit this year. And I don't fully understand that. And you didn't see, a whole lot from the tight ends later in this game. And I really think this is the kind of situation, and I know we're not quite there yet, but come week 11, when they get back 
uh, Devin Funchess, if he's able to come back as soon as he's eligible to come back, if Devin Funchess can step in, I think that sort of stops you from stagnating in that position because he excelled really well in camp and in the preseason and early uh, at going over the middle on those kind of drag routes that are, you know, going to get you something five, five to seven yards or more if they break open. But, you know, you're you're good to get those yards, especially against a team that's playing a zone or that's playing back off of you in an off man coverage or something like that. And they don't have that player who does that really well now. Jack Doyle can do it, but he's not as athletic. He's not getting um great separation all the time. They're, they're leaving him in for pass protection and stuff. And JJ Watt, by the way, was destroying this team the whole time. He had, he had six QB hits and eight, uh, they had eight QB hits total, only one sack, but JJ Watt was in the backfield constantly. So it could yeah. be that, that Doyle was back helping try to deal with JJ Watt a lot of the, a lot of the time. And, and that prevented him being, you know, a factor and same thing with Molly Cox, although he's been a little disappointing this year and hasn't really been a huge a huge impact in the passing game. Now they may be using him plenty in blocking, but, uh, but he's been a little bit of a disappointment that way. And so it just, one of those things where it, I'm not entirely sure the reason why they kind of stagnated, but I do think that um, I do think that it just sort of, I don't know. It's something they have to figure out because they have not, it's not the only time that's ever happened. And I think it's, yeah. they kind of changed their game plan and how they're going to play when they're in the lead and they're going to need to work on it because they're going to, they're going to need to be able to play from, from a lead. Um, and we're going to try something here because Shepard has just joined us and I don't know if he's going to be able to join in the middle of the recording. So we're going to try it out. And if not, we'll be back in, in a couple of minutes. All right. Well, you're just in, you're just in time, Shepard, because we're going to do really quick. We're going to do a really quick segment here of winners and losers from the the Colts Texans game, and then we're going to jump into uh, the game preview. So, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot and just throw you right into the fire. Who, who who's oh. your winner from this game? <laughs> Thanks, man. I really you get first dibs. I really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, winner, winners from this game. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take the obvious ones. Jacoby Brissett. Um, I. I don't know what you guys have talked about. I really. Um, what I'm expecting to do. I'm expecting to listen to this podcast, have it be the best one you've ever done, and be like, okay, I'm. I'm clearly holding Jim and Chris back. Um, but again, I. I don't know what you guys talked about, but it's got to be Jacoby Brissett. He's the big winner. Uh, I just got in off of a, a four-hour uh, road trip from work, so I'm taking the obvious one. We talked about him a bit. He came up a few times. I bet. Yeah, we, he played we, amazing. We made a note of him. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he yeah. was he was freaking incredible. Uh, it was, and although I, I I didn't get to say this much, you know, when we we're talking about uh, them stalling in the fourth uh, quarter, so I don't want to jump on his big winner moment. But uh, there were a few throws that I was kind of like, oh, I wish I bet he wish he had those back. Um, even ones that were completions missing some guys in stride. So, you know, it wasn't, I, I think maybe some of that took, it came into play in that fourth quarter stall, but overall uh, he was yeah lights out. He is not Patrick Mahomes in terms of off platform, no. off platform throws. Yeah. He needs to be, he needs to throw with his feet set. And so sometimes when he was scrambling and would throw a little awkwardly, it did not always look great. Mm-hmm. But the thing that was notable to me, and this was from the jump, he was, in complete command from the pocket. He moved yeah. great. He was under pressure all day long and it did not phase him. He moved well and, you know, continued to take strikes down the field. People have questioned whether he's capable of doing that. I think we have the answer to that. Um, and we've talked many times and Shepard, we gave ourselves credit for this earlier in the show that we've talked about 
that this may be more of a product of the fact that the offense is not calling for him to do some of these things. So it doesn't actually necessarily indicate that he can't do them. We've seen him do them now, but some of these, uh, some of these longer plays that he's that he's these shots that he took in play action and such, that's just not been part of the game plan because they've been relying on the run and the short mm-hmm. pass. And we got to see him do those things and he did them well. And I, yeah, he's definitely a winner. I mean, we talked about a little earlier, the, the fumbled snap, and that is something he needs to improve on. Cause it's not the first time that's that that's happened, but it was in the scheme of things, relatively small by comparison to yeah. all of the good things that he did in this game. Well, and it didn't get into his head either. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the mic'd up Frank Reich video yet, uh, but they they mic'd up Frank, and he went over to Jacoby and it's like, "Hey, forget about it." And Jacoby goes, "What?" It's like <laughs> the fumble. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I, I did." He's like, "Oh, well, I was going to tell you to forget about it, but it looks like uh, thanks for reminding me, like coach. He, looks like you already did." <laughs> nice. And he just, I, I don't think he gets rattled. All that much. And even though, like you said, he was taking hits, he was taking some big hits and it, it didn't shake him. He, he got up and he had total control the whole time. Even when things went wrong, he was calm, cool and collected and, and soldiered on. Yes. All right. Well, Jim, I'm going to let you have have second pick here and I have a feeling you're going to take the one that I want. So just because this is how this goes for me. So I'm going to let you go second, but I'm going to begrudgingly do so. Um, OK, uh, Zach Pascal. All right, you did not take mine. Thanks, Jim. Oh, cool. Yeah, Shepard, hey. Shepard totally would have taken mine if he was going second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to ignore Zach Pascal over the past couple weeks. Yeah, you know, I I had serious reservations for him making the team uh, earlier this season, and I don't think I was alone. I think many of that. us rolled our eyes when they said how much they liked Zach Pascal. I think yeah, there were, there were many of us who were like, yeah, yeah, okay, settle and, down. And we see another week like this. I mean, I'm already starting to become a believer, but I'll be a, a firm believer if we see another week of production uh, like what he's seen. It's And I got to see it, uh, you know, all on display at, at the game. And while our run game wasn't great, you know, I saw Pascal working. You know, I saw him putting in the work on, on uh, the blocks, on the run plays and stuff like that. So it was nice to really get to see that and pay attention to that in person and see it all at once. Um, at the game and and yeah he impressed me all day uh, and I think impressed everybody all day and it was just uh, phenomenal yeah I mean he's a versatile player and he just I mean he's a guy that obviously you know Nick Sirianni has famously said he wants his his kids to play football like Zach Pascal, and he'd be the kind yep. of player that he is and that kind of stuff that's a guy that the team cares about the team loves and he stepped up and there that's more than a lot of the guys in that wide receiver room can say. And we'll talk about a couple of those guys later, <laughs> but right now I'm going to give my winner that you guys didn't take. And I'm, I'm excited about that because I thought he was the layup here. That's Darius Leonard because yep. he, he closed out a game in, in at this point, it's kind of like there, this is just what Darius Leonard does. He just makes game clinching plays and makes this ridiculous interception that doesn't look like it should be an interception. And then he gets up and, <laughs> We, we talked about this shepherd that he made. I don't know if you saw this on good morning football. He made the, he won their angry runs for good morning football. He's the first defense. He's the first defensive player ever to win it. And it, there's just something very sweet about watching him stiff arm someone and then immediately give him right. up because he doesn't want to, he's not trying to run it back. He wants to just run out the clock, but, but he did not want to go down to a scrawny little receiver like Kenny stills. He's going to put him into the ground. And, 
you know, so watching that play happen is great. But the thing that sticks out to me, the play that sticks out to me too, and and it was a completion because Deshaun Watson is really good. But I mean, r- really early in this game, he nails Deshaun Watson's arm and basically stops his arms forward momentum. He's going on, on he was blitzing around a corner on, around the right side and he gets a hand up, hits Deshaun Watson's arm and it stops just about basically parallel to his body. I mean, he's like, he's not forward all the way through this motion. He just had enough forward momentum to get the ball where he needed to go. And I think it was DeAndre Hopkins that, that caught the, the pass, but it was one of those things where it was evident from early all the way through that Darius Leonard was going to be a factor in this game. The team in the middle looked a lot sturdier. It was immediately better. Uh, I think Anthony Walker looked better as a result. Um, and, you know, he, he still had the majority of the snaps at, at Mike. They did get Bobby Okariki in there. But I think that he looked far better and more comfortable in back in his normal role. And the defense as a whole just looked really solid. Darius Leonard is a big reason why. And then to close out the game when you're sort of when you've sort of stalled out and you're struggling a little bit and you need that play to keep you in it. Darius Leonard made the play uh, and they get them the win. So pretty cool to have uh, to have him back. Obviously, a big impact on the game. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, uh, you know, I thought having him back even uh, so early, early in the season, you know, people talked about, um, you know, that maybe he wasn't playing to the same level he was last year, even Darius Leonard at a, at a much lower level than what he played at last year. And I'm not saying that that's true. Full disclosure, I haven't had a chance to really go through and, and break down last week's game. Um, But even Darius Leonard at a lower level, is still a really good football player. And I think that he, you know, he absolutely had an impact on the game. And, and uh, I think picking him as a winner is, uh, well, that was a, a good pick, probably a more creative pick than mine of Jacoby Brissett, but uh, definitely, definitely worthy. And, and that interception was one that, uh, that was wild. I mean, you know, it was exciting because it ended the game, but at the same time, like that's, that's not a play that a lot of guys no, make. It um, was, it was insane to yeah. watch that happen. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, the, like you said, the stiff arm, the stiff arm was probably the coolest part because he, he just, he just wanted to punish that guy because <laughs> he's just mean. And like, that's amazing. Like you want your linebacker to just be just a, a nasty dude, put some guy in the ground and be like, Oh yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take a knee. Well, and, and that's awesome. and the energy that, but he, is real. Yeah. Right. And, and he's yeah. always on like that too, but it's yeah. like, you want your linebacker to have enough self-respect. They're like, no slot receiver is going to put me <laughs> in. the dirt. It's not going to happen. There's just I won't right. be able to exist in the locker room with the other linebackers if this little wimpy guy tackles me. That's not that's not okay with me. I'm well, and, and I'm gonna show Marlon Mack how it's done. <laughs> when they say motor, that dude has a motor. He does not turn off. He was he was attempting to hype the crowd until two or three seconds <laughs> left on the play clock. You know, just he was he was wearing them down and. As long as you know you were waiting to snap the ball, Darius Leonard was going to hype the crowd up and and get them you know as loud as possible around you. It was it was kind of incredible to see him go from dancing and jumping straight into the play. Yep. It's it's nuts. Right. It's insane yeah. how much we're, energy we're very, that man has. We're very very lucky to have had Chris Ballard draft him, and it's very yeah. exciting that we're going to get to watch a lot of years of him. Hopefully, so. Um, all right. So now the not so pleasant part, let's go through and see if we can think of any losers. I've got one on my mind and we don't have to come up with a whole lot of them. I don't think there were too terribly many in this game, uh, but I definitely have one. If nobody else has one, I'll throw it out there. You go ahead. I think I might have one, but let's see if it's the same one. 
Okay, uh, my loser is Dion Kane. Yep. And I, I, I feel like we pick on him too much. I really do. I, like, I, I'm not trying to single him out. I know we joked around at the beginning of the season. We have no ill will toward Deion Kane, And he is performing, I think, well, he's performing worse than we would have hoped for him. But probably what what we would have expected, maybe this is not far off. But the, 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 the question that I have is he played a lot of snaps. He was in, I think, 37 snaps in this yeah. game. And he was not targeted once. Not so once. So that is problematic because, you know, Zach Pascal is not getting those kind of opportunities consistently. Uh, Chester Rogers is not even getting those kind of opportunities consistently, but he's been in the game playing. And so I don't know what the hangup is. I don't know if he and Jacoby just don't have a good chemistry. I said this on the Colts cast. I was on with Matt earlier in the week and the only routes, and maybe you guys will remember, uh, but the primary routes I've seen for him are short out routes and he's he's caught some like 10 to 12 yard comebacks. And that's the only routes that I remember seeing him catch a ball on. And maybe I'm wrong there, Shepard. Do you remember any other routes that he's caught a pass on? Because that's it as far as he's had his he's no. had on those those uh, post or seam routes. He's had like a pass interference call, but he hasn't actually had a catch. And I just don't know if he's not running good routes or if he's if Jacoby And my question that I asked on on the Colts cast is I don't know if he's not getting separation and Jacoby's not comfortable pulling the trigger because he doesn't have that trust with him. I really don't know what the issue is, but he's not even being targeted. And that's just odd. And I and I would think they obviously feel like he's doing some things right because they're continuing to give him mm-hmm. opportunities, but he's not he's he's not getting opportunities when he's on the field. So I don't know whose fault that is, but it does make him a loser in some respect because if Jacoby's not targeting him and he's open, that's a problem. And they're going to need to get some sort of rapport going. And if he's just not getting open, then they probably need to get somebody else on the field and give them an opportunity to to make plays because, I mean, he's just taking up a spot on the field right now. He did nothing in 37 snaps. He, he was not involved in any uh, – well, I mean, he may be blocked someone. I guess I didn't yeah, – I don't know about that. But he had no passing game production. So, yeah. So uh, I have noticed Deion Kane a couple times uh, exhibiting good effort blocking downfield. So that is one thing that I'll give him credit for, and that's something that we saw Zach Pascal do. Well, I don't know that a lot of people saw Zach Pascal. I do saw it, him but, do it. Um, sure, yeah, yeah. But we saw Zach Pascal do that last year, um, and so you know it, it was one of those things where it kind of looks like Zach Pascal, you know, was biding his time and and coming along and really figuring out how to play receiver in the NFL. And until he, he was able to do that at the level that he showed us he could last week, um, he was going to do everything he could to help his team win. So maybe that's where Deion Kane is right now. He's, you know, he's going to improve at some of those things. He did have a, a major knee injury that he couldn't, he couldn't work on his routes nearly as long as what you know, most guys who come into the league, even as sixth round picks, you know, if those guys are going to improve, they're going to have to work on things like route running. They're going to have to work on things um, that require them to have two healthy knees. And so if you can't do that, obviously you're going to be a little bit behind where a normal sixth round pick in a second year is going to be. Um, so, you know, a lot of it could be developmental where he's just not, he's just not there yet. Um, I know that um, in the past, Chris Ballard had talked about uh, they didn't believe that Deion Kane was going to be back to 100% all the way uh, until, you know, about half season, about the midpoint. And we're right there right now. So, um, you know, they probably expect that he is he's back or, or close to it all the way by now. Um, you know, I, like I said, I did notice him doing some positive things for the team, uh, which is good, which is what a sixth round pick. I don't care the reason why you're a sixth round pick. If you were drafted in the sixth round, uh, 
and you're, you find yourself on the field, you should do absolutely everything you can to help your team win. And the, the best I can tell he's doing that now, as far as why he's not catching balls, um, it could be a lot of things. And like I said, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone through and done a, a real extensive breakdown of, of the wide receivers, the routes they're running, um, why they're being targeted and why they aren't. So it, it could be, it could be a lot of things. Uh, it could be that he isn't getting open, which I haven't noticed him getting a lot of separation, even on balls that have been thrown to him. Um, he, so it could be, he's not getting a lot of separation, which comes from a lot of things, even guys that are slow, which I'm not saying he is, but even guys that are slow can get separation if they run good routes. Um, so that could be part of the issue. Part of the issue could be the fact that maybe when he's in there, he's the fourth or fifth receiving option. And again, that's where that's where me not having broken down um, a lot of tape uh, on what these receivers are being asked to do is it's limiting what I can know there. Um, but he might be the fourth or fifth option on a lot of these routes, and Jacoby's just not either not able to get through all of his his reads on a play, or he doesn't have to because his you know his first reads there, his second reads there, his third reads there, and the ball's out. So whatever the whatever that is, um, either way, no matter what it is, if a guy's getting open and you you're recognizing that, uh, you know, in your your self-study watching your own film and you're going, Hey, you know, Deion Kane's getting open a lot and I haven't been getting him the ball. You would think that Jacoby Brissett eventually is going to start to look his way on game day. And so, you know, again, this is, I'm not super educated on this because I haven't done the work to, to break it down. So it is my best guess, but my best guess is Deion Kane's not really getting open right now because if he were, uh, if that were a consistent thing, Brissett would have noticed it. Frank Reich would have noticed it and they would have said, Hey, we got to get this guy the ball. Um, so I, you know, Again, I think it's a developmental issue. I think that um, a lot of people were way too early to jump on the Deion Kane is going to be a, a starter this year bandwagon. Um, and so I think that we're just kind of seeing that now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Okay, so Jim, did you have a – did I take yours or do you have yeah, another no, one? Yeah, you, you took it. Um, okay. I, I well, guess maybe I, I would I, say I would say Clayton Gathers uh, just from a snap count perspective. I think Odom took more snaps than he did. And then Kari Willis took every snap on on defense. Uh, so it's going to be mm-hmm. uh, interesting to see if Hooker's back, what that snap count for uh, Gathers looks this week, possibly less. Well, and I think that one big catch by Kenny Stills was at Gathers' expense, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And, man, he just looks so slow. I yeah. I can't really conceive of any way that when – I mean, if it sounds like Malik Hooker is going to be back this week. When he's back, I think that he and Kari Willis are going to have the run of things, and I think they might get Gathers on the field some, but I don't think he's going to get on a lot. I think it's mostly going to be Odom mm-hmm. uh, coming in. I mean, they seem to really like him, and he's, he's played pretty solid. Well, and Gethers made some good special teams plays, too, so he yeah, can still be a factor. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he clearly has been outplayed by Kari Willis, and if you have the opportunity, I think I'm excited about that tandem to get to see those two together, to be honest Same with you. here. Uh, I think that's going to be mm-hmm. – and so, well, so let's go to uh, – because we don't need to talk about losers in this game anymore. Let's go uh, – we're going to take a real quick break, get a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to go right into our game preview for this coming game. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about TickPick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. And as always, guys, if you do use TickPick to to pay for uh, tickets to get a, go to a game, make sure you use the code Stampede to get $10 off any purchase of $100 or more. That's the code Stampede to get $10 off any purchase of $100 or more. You definitely should use it to go to the Colts Broncos game this weekend because we don't want to see those empty seats like Jim had to see at the Texans game. We nope. want you to be there cheering and aggravating the already aggravated Broncos fans. <laughs> they are pretty aggravated. So, so right. tell us a little bit about this team, Chris, that we're going to be up against here. This Broncos team has not looked very good so far this season. They're a team that I don't think we necessarily expected to be great, but I think I feel like I expected at least for them to be better than they've been so far. And at least their defense anyway, we expected to be pretty solid. So let's kind of start there with the defense because Vic Fangio was a really good defensive coordinator for the Bears. New head coach has has come over and he's got some defensive pieces there. Obviously, they, they've lost a few guys to injury. But what's going on here with this uh, with his defense, and let's start really with the run defense and how they play the run. Yeah, so um, the Broncos' defense as a whole, um, they're ranked really well. Um, they're you know top five pretty much across the board. Um, their run defense, from the best I can tell, and so full disclosure, I have had uh, the worst possible work week I could possibly have, and not in writing. Um, for for those people who are not aware, none of us at Stampede Blue or 
uh, you know, the Stampede Blue Radio Network, uh, are full-time writers or bloggers. We all have regular, real, unfortunate full-time jobs. Uh, and my full-time job's kind of gotten in the way a lot this this week. So um, I say gotten in the way, but I've had to I've had to do some ridiculous stuff that I normally don't have to do. So I haven't had a chance to break down the uh, the Denver Broncos defense as much as I would like to. Um, but I have watched I, I have watched three and a half four Broncos games leading up to this. So um, the best that I can tell about their run defense, um, it's pretty solid. I don't think that we're probably going to have a lot of room to run most of the day. Um, You know, they, they do a good job filling gaps They're They've got some good athletes up front. Um, They've got some guys that, you know, I think that they're going to be missing uh, in, you know, Bradley Chubb, who's, who's out for the year. Um, And, you know, he wasn't, uh, he was a better pass rusher than run defender, but you know he certainly wasn't bad against the run. He was a good run defender as well. Um, Von Miller hasn't put up the types of numbers that he's put up in the past, but he's still going to do a good job setting the edge and doing some of those sort of things. So, um, you know, the Broncos still have a lot of good pieces. Derek Wolf up front uh, is is solid. I expect him to to really uh, give Mark Lewinsky a tough time. Um, so, you know, they've got a lot of pieces, a lot of good players on that defensive front. That defense is still very good. Um, it's just, I, I want to say that in reading everything that I've read, and I don't remember where I saw it, uh, the Broncos have only scored more than 23 points twice this year uh, on offense. So really, if you're, if you're a defense and you're on the field that much, uh, and you can't count on your offense to ever score more than 23 points. You're not, you're, you're, you know, you're just not going to win that many games, even if you're a really good defense. Yeah, that's that's going to be frustrating uh, for them. It's got to be really frustrating for them yeah. because you eventually are, like you said, you're going to eventually wear down. You, may, I mean, and, and even worse if you make a mistake. I mean, if you screw up and somebody gets a score and you know your offense can't come, mm-hmm. that's demoralizing uh, to know that your offense can't come back. And we're going to get into that offense a little bit, a little bit later, but. Um, so I, we're probably going to struggle a little bit in the same way that we did against the Texans in terms of the run game. Well, so it, to be to be completely fair, I don't think they're as good against the run as what the Texans were. I think we're probably going to have more room uh, than what we found against the Texans. Um, but at, at the same time, this isn't a bad rushing defense. Um, Texan, I think the Texans were better up front than than probably the Broncos were. So – who are the linebackers we need to keep an eye on? Because those are the guys I, I feel pretty confident that if they're playing well, our offensive linemen can win that one-on-one battle at least some of the time against those defensive linemen. Who are the linebackers we need to keep an eye on? Because those are going to be the guys and how they play that are really going to tell uh, whether the you know the running backs are going to be able to get to that second level and make something happen. You break a playoff later in the game as the defense gets worn down from being on the field a lot or, or whatever it may be. Sure. So the guy that we're going to see probably flash the most is Todd Davis. Um, you know, he, he currently leads – well, he, I'm sorry, he doesn't lead the team. Um, he's got um, 37 tackles on the year. But he, he's the guy that's going to flash the most from the linebacker position. Um, and so, I mean, he's not Darius Leonard, but as far as – the Broncos go, he is their version of that, just in the fact that um, most of the tackles, you know, are going to be made by him. Now, whether they're made at the line, behind the line, or a couple yards downfield, 
Todd Davis is the guy that's the benefactor of, of the defensive scheme that they have most of the time. Um, other than him, uh, Alexander Johnson, it, watching the games, uh, I noticed Johnson in coverage more so than against the run. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't do a great job of spending a ton of time breaking down the defense. Um, so that I could be way off on my first impressions of Alexander Johnson, but I noticed him make some good plays in coverage, uh, against some backs and, and receivers, um, and that's another thing too, uh, just as far as this game goes, the way that I, I did note to beat them, uh, is they, they're going to give up a lot of underneath stuff. So a lot of plays to the backs, a lot of plays to the receivers. Um, these linebackers don't do a bad job in coverage. Uh, and the other guy, the third guy's Malik Reed. Um, we're going to see Malik Reed and not as much. Uh, and actually I don't know if I want to say he was injured. I could be, I could be wrong. I could be confusing him. Um, but they aren't bad in coverage, but just the way that they tend to run their defense is that you see the the teams that move the ball against the Broncos are moving the ball against the Broncos at three yards, four yards, five yards, six yards, and it's consistent. And it's just underneath stuff. It's just picking up those things. And so these linebackers and really defensive backs too are, are cleaning up with tackle numbers because they're hitting with that underneath stuff and they just keep moving the ball slowly and methodically. And as long as you're not getting ahead of yourself, uh, if you're if you're testing those linebackers, um, then those are going to be the guys that you, uh, you're going to see. Oh, and I forgot uh, Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell is another guy that – another linebacker that you'll see. Um, he's – second uh, as far as linebackers go with tackles this year so both those guys are guys that are, are probably going to stand out Todd Davis and, and Josie okay. well I'll be interested to see if they use Naheem Hines a little bit more in those in that underneath passing game they haven't really mm-hmm. done that as much as I expected them to this year they have used him but I still mm-hmm. feel like he's been a little bit lower on the totem pole maybe they've just felt there were better options or they haven't had to pass that way as often and they've been able to rely on Marlon Mack to just run the ball more so uh, be interesting to see how that plays out. And if they have to go away from the run, at least away from their run heavy balance that they've tended to stick to, I'm interested to know how they're going to stack up against this, this pass defense that at one time was really pretty brutal because yeah. they could get to, they could get to the quarterback and they had, you know, really good defensive backs, but that's not necessarily the case anymore. Yeah. I don't even know what the state of the secondary is anymore. So, um, just based on their rank, uh, they they rank really well in, in the NFL. So they're third right now in total yards given up. So total passing yards, they're third. Um, but at the same time, they've also uh, had the seventh fewest attempts. So teams usually have the lead and they're not having to throw a ton uh, against the Broncos. So that could be part of it. Um, they haven't, they've only given up six touchdowns since six passing touchdowns on the year. Um, so again, this isn't a bad pass defense, um, at least based on, based on the numbers alone. Um, there could be other circumstances that have fed into that, but they're, they're really not giving up a ton of points. Um, they, the biggest problem that I see, not only just with the secondary, but with the the team as a whole, they don't force a lot of turnovers. And for a, a defense that is this talented with a defensive minded head coach, uh, really, he just runs the defense and he's given the offense to, to their offensive coordinator. Um, they don't really force a ton of turnovers. Really they're in the bottom half, the bottom third of the league uh, in enforcing turnovers. And so I don't really, if Jacoby Brissett throws an interception, obviously any given Sunday that can happen. But um, I don't, 
I, I kind of expected him to last week just because I thought that they'd be throwing the ball a lot and eventually he'd make a mistake, and that didn't happen. That's great. Um, but I don't necessarily foresee that happening in this game. Like I just don't think they're going to force him into it. Um, Vic Fangio is really good at disguising coverage. Uh, usually like that's just a, a hallmark of his defenses. Um, so it's possible that they confuse Jacoby at some point. I don't, I, he's a really smart quarterback from everything I've seen. So I don't know that they're going to be, they're going to do a better job of confusing him than they would some other quarterback, but they confuse a lot of really good quarterbacks. So, um, it, it's possible that a guy gets a pick, but, uh, you know, they, they don't force a lot of turnovers, um, but they also don't give up a lot of yards. They don't give up a lot of touchdowns. So um, I think that the Colts can have more success running the ball than passing the ball, especially deep underneath stuff is is what it is. Um, but, you know, I don't think that they're a bad pass defense. I think that they just – really this defense is put in a really terrible situation the way that the offense holds them down. Well, and one of the things that, – so that's interesting, Bryce Callahan uh, is actually – hasn't practiced this week. He's got a foot injury, hasn't practiced at all, and so that'll be something to watch. It's one of their starting corners. And the Colts have been kind of fortunate to fall backwards into these situations where they're playing against backup corners. And that is in some ways concerning because at some point that's not going to be the case and you are going to have to play against, you know, the starters. And, and so you hope that you're not facing an illusion where you, you actually seem to be better than you really are because you're playing against some of these backups and benefiting from that. But by the same token, they ought to be able to move the ball in ways that they need to against this defense, just if they continue their normal process. And as long as they, they continue to play relatively mistake-free football, that's been a thing that they have consistently done well. And if they do that, they should be in good shape on offense anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's talk then about the the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball for the Colts. Uh, the Colts had a pretty decent day in terms of getting pressure against the Texans. And this offensive line seems like for the Broncos that it could give us some of the same sort of ability to wreak havoc. The difference is uh, it's not Deshaun Watson standing in the pocket. It's actually a worse version of the statue that's in front of Lucas Oil Stadium. <laughs> that's pretty yeah, bad. That's true. Yeah. So how how bad does Joe Flacco look? I haven't watched a whole lot of him, and what I've seen didn't really surprise me. But so it hasn't been pretty. So yeah, Joe Flacco looks he he looks way worse than what I think he probably actually has been. Um, don't get me wrong; he's not been great. Like he's made he has made some questionable decisions at times. Uh, a lot of the throws that he's made have been either off target, underthrown. He's, he's not stepping into throws all the time. Uh, that was a big problem that I saw. Actually, one of the, the interceptions that I, I, wrote, I wrote about uh, was due almost exclusively to the fact that he realized he was about to get blasted and he didn't want to step into a throw. He was scared. Uh, and he, he underthrew a ball and it got picked off, and, and that was kind of part of it. And he's had some tip balls, and that's not always on the quarterback. Um, you know, sometimes there's just nothing you can do about a tipped ball. Um, but it, for the most part, based on what I saw, Joe Flacco most of the time is executing the offense uh, as it should be executed. He's he's throwing to the right guys. He's making the right reads most of the time, um, but he's got some limitations, I think, mentally uh, and physically. Like like you pointed out, the the offensive line in front of him is bad. Um, well, I you know it is bad that they have one bright spot um, as a whole, though it's not great. And he is not mobile 
at all, really. Like he is barely more mobile than I would be in the pocket. Um, and he, he just, he doesn't have the athleticism needed to escape any pressure whatsoever. Uh, and you know, getting rid of the ball quickly is one thing. Um, but it's all, it is almost an impossible job for a guy that can't move the way Joe Flacco can't move. If, if you had a, a, a very athletic quarterback, if you had Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun Watson played for the Denver Broncos, there's a chance their offense would look much, much better. Um, but again, with the, the plays being called the talent around Joe Flacco, he's not looked good, but I don't think he's as bad as he's looked either. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah. And something that's interesting to me, and again, I don't know how much this plays a factor because again, it's not the same type of, of defense that he's playing in, but it's always interesting. I mean, this is a team that obviously Justin Houston knows very well. I mean, he, he <laughs> played this team twice a year, every year for all of his career. And so he's very familiar with the Broncos. He will know, you know, I mean, now that works both ways. They're sort of more familiar with him, with him, but I think it almost gives him an advantage because there is a schematic difference to the way that he's playing in our defense than what he would have been in the past. But he's familiar with this offensive line. He's familiar with uh, with some things about this team. Obviously, different coach, different quarterback. Um, there, there are some differences, but it's going to be really interesting. I think he's looked really good the past two weeks. I kind of expect him to have a crazy game. And if Jabal Sheard and he's on the injury report, I don't know if you had a chance to see this. We talked about this at the top of the show before you joined us. Uh, he had sat out uh, or he played through a foot injury and then sat out today. Um, he was in a full participant in practice yesterday. So that's something to keep an eye on. We don't know what's going on there. We don't know if it got worse and that's why he sat out today or if they just decided to rest him. But if Jabal Sheard is in, it could pretty much just be open season on Joe Flacco. I think, mm-hmm. um, and I think, you know, I, I fully expect them to get pressure consistently and wreak havoc if they can get some turnovers, all the better. Um, and, you know, put, putting defensive points on the board, it makes it, it puts even more pressure on on that Broncos defense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, I think that Colts edge defenders are going to live in the backfield on Sunday. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's in any real question as to whether or not that's going to happen. It's just how many times is it going to happen? Um those those Broncos tackles are real bad. They're they are they are not good. Um, yeah, and I don't I don't really see them getting better anytime soon. All right. Um, so if they are not able to get pressure, they did just trade away. I, I think he was their leading receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is not on the team anymore. And yeah, he was second. Um, he was second. Was he second? He was second. Yeah, okay. Second. Still, okay. Cortland is Cortland Sutton number one then. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. When you trade away your number two and your quarterback is getting hit a lot, mm-hmm. that puts a lot of pressure on Cortland Sutton to really make plays consistently because he's going to be the guy now. And uh, if they're passing the ball, that's where they're going with it in all likelihood. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to be fair, Cortland Sutton is based on what I've what I've watched. And I did do a, a thorough breakdown of the offense. You can go to stampedeblue.com and check that out. Um I hope to have the Broncos defense piece up tomorrow, but I'm not going to make any promises. Like I said, this week's been terrible. Um, but the the offensive piece is up. You can find it. Um, but Cortland Sutton, based on what I watched, he is a legitimate wide receiver one. He The guy is good. He's made a lot of progress from last year. And um, the Broncos have done a good job finding ways to get him the ball. He's tough to tackle once the ball is in his hands. He can make guys miss and and uh, he can, you know, he can score from anywhere on the field. He's not he's not slow. He's big. Uh, he's got good hands. 
Uh, he's running effective routes and, um, you know, he, he's tough to tackle. He's a good wide receiver one. Uh, it's just too bad that he plays on this team with this offense and Joe Flacco's his quarterback with no offensive line. Um, so yeah, it, you know, he is going to feel more pressure. Um, I think more passes are going to go his way with that said, I think that he's probably a guy that can handle it. Um, and really how much more, how much there is absolutely more pressure on him, but how much more pressure is there on him when, you're two and five and you know the the team is not uh, it's not going to compete and you you know that so really this is a, a good opportunity for Sutton to really rack up those stats rack up those numbers um, build some confidence going into next year when hopefully the Broncos for them for Broncos fans hopefully the Broncos have figured something out to put him in a better situation if not then I hope that they're just willing to give Cortland Sutton to the Colts for a seventh round pick because that, w- that would be nice you know? that would be pretty cool <laughs> Sure. Yeah. It'd be very, very nice. Be very cool of them. Yeah. I mean, we did give them we did Manning, just so gift them. they do owe yeah. us. We gave them their last yeah. Super Bowl. They, they owe like, us. Come on. Well, I mean, okay, to be fair, yeah. the defense totally carried Manning in that Super Bowl, but he got them to that point. Mm-hmm. But for reasons that we don't have to explain, Absolutely. they should just give yeah. them to mm-hmm. us because because yeah, we, we want him. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So <laughs> it's because we want it. So. <laughs> Just think about just think about that, Broncos fans. Just think about that, and well, they're just all mad because they we'll, thought they got Andrew Luck when we were done with them. Well, and, wait, the, the book's not closed. Look what he showed them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that could still happen. Unfortunately, let's just all right. I didn't say that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, move, moving on and pretending we didn't discuss that. Uh, so then, in terms of the running game, they actually have pair of pretty interesting running backs. I'm going to be interested to see. I'm I'm I haven't gotten to see Philip Lindsay a ton, but what I've seen of him has been pretty impressive and I'm excited to watch him play. I'm hopeful that he has a terrible <laughs> game. Uh but but he uh, he looks like the kind of guy who the Colts could really struggle with. Yeah, so both uh, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, um they do share one characteristic between both of them that make them both really effective and that's their vision they both see the field really well they see their blockers uh and philip Lindsay is where he's best in my opinion is the way that he sets up defenders at the second and third level so he does a good job seeing his blockers seeing defenders and pressing the line even downfield pressing his pressing into the backs of his blockers just long enough so that the whether it's a linebacker or a safety um, just long enough that they come up so that they don't know. Obviously you can't know where he's going to cut, but he waits for them to make their move so that he positions himself in a way that he can make a cut and hit open field. Um, I Philip Lindsay's fast, but he's not, I don't think he's special in that regard as far as play speed. Um, but he is really good at reading blocks. He's really good at setting up those defenders. Um, and one thing that he does that kind of annoyed me just as a guy who watches a lot of football, I noticed him try to cut outside a lot. Um, and he, he tries to, he tries to hit around the edge. Now to, to be fair, he does hit on some of those. Some of those do work. Uh, I mean, if they didn't, you would like to think that the guy would eventually stop, but, um, more often than not, he does bail on the inside run. And instead of just picking up what he can, he will try to bounce it to the outside. And that's good news for the Colts. As long as they're defending the edge, um, you know, 
I don't really foresee that being a, an issue as much. They've done a pretty good job these past couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, it, it's always something to, to look out for. Philip Lindsay will look to bounce the ball outside if there's nothing inside instead of taking what he can get. Um, so that's something to be concerned about there. Yeah, it looks like with this off or with this defense back to mostly full strength, I wouldn't be as concerned about that. Darius Leonard being healthy, uh, you know, you've got Kari Willis has been great in that particular aspect of the game, coming down hard to close, um, you know, to close up those outside gaps. And when you've got guys like, well, and it, it's been a little bit of a hybrid of um, of Bobby Okereke and. Uh, I, I think he's I think that Matthew Adams still got like a couple snaps mm-hmm. at Sam and then and then he had uh, maybe even EJ Speed get a snack a snap or two at Sam. But when you got the those guys and then working in conjunction with with obviously Antonio or Antonio Anthony Walker, excuse me, I'm flashing back to terrible Colts, terrible slow Colts linebackers. I didn't even say the full it's name. Better than, I'm not going it's better to. than calling him Philip uh, Walker, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that would not be great. Um, but I think I think Philip Walker has actually got a starting yeah. quarterback job. He's yeah, he is in the XFL. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, yeah. congrats, Philip Walker, for being bad in a different <laughs> football team. But maybe 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 by their standards, you're very good. You say what you want. Um, I'm excited about the XFL. Yeah, I mean, I don't really. I, I mean, it's it, it's it, it, what could go wrong. I assume they're going to be putting people through tables in the. If end, that's not a rule, zone, it needs but, to be. Oh, it needs to be. I always, I literally just, that's how you determine if you determine if you break the plane, if the table is not broken, it doesn't count. I, okay. You, you're joking, but that's actually a pretty cool rule. It is pretty amazing. I have these lofty expectations with the original XFL that it was going to be more like mutant league football. And I was, I was just sorely disappointed. So I hope it's that again. I've already pumped myself uh, up. Okay. All right. So basically the question I have is, can the Colts limit this? team to 100 yards or less in in rushing do you think that's a possibility this offensive line is not great uh but the running backs have some talent is this a team that we should be able to limit to to 100 yards rushing or less i i think so but i think it has more to do with the fact that uh if the broncos or if the broncos haven't just waved the white flag i think they're gonna have to throw the ball to catch up um the other running back is is royce freeman and uh, i just want to talk about him really quick uh, because watching both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay's a, a fine back, but I really liked watching. He was fun to watch. Royce Freeman was fun to watch. Um, and so he's listed, at least he was listed online at 5'11", 238. Um, I think that that 238 is probably wrong just based on the way he looks and the way he moves. I think that he's probably dropped some pounds since uh, that was that was put on the internet um, because he's got a lot of wiggle. He he moves really well laterally. He does have some lower body stiffness, but not a lot. Um, but he moves well laterally. He reads his blocks really well. Um, he does a good job of using his blocks and and uh, hesitating a, a lot, like Marlon Mack, like we've seen Marlon Mack do this year. Um, but really, just riding those blockers as they make their block downfield, and then exploding off of that to to pick up the yards that he can. So, Royce Freeman is a really talented blocker who, or a blocker, he's a really talented back who um, would succeed in for a lot of teams, uh, especially teams that um, you know, if he played for the Colts, the the guy would be um, 
you know, he would be putting up numbers like Marlon Mack if the Colts chose to use him the same way. He's he's a really good back. Um, as far as keeping them under a hundred, I think so. But I again, I think that that's more that has more to do with circumstances in the game and if the Broncos are actively trying to win and they're not trying to keep up with the the Redskins and the uh, the Dolphins for draft position, um, then yeah, they're, they're going to be throwing the ball to try to catch up and and even though you know that may not work because I think Joe Flacco might die. Um, I think that you know they're they're still going to try it. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if some of these guys are making some business decisions in this game because obviously, mm-hmm. as you said, they're I mean they're trading away players. They're they've basically opened the trade market and are taking bids on just about anybody. I, I've even heard rumors that Von Miller could be somebody that they would be willing to deal if the if the money was right. And that's crazy, but it also speaks to a team that is not real interested in competing right now and thinks that they probably need to completely tank and start over. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see what this team looks like in terms of effort. And so I'm interested to go through really quickly before we get into our bold predictions. uh, What is your we're going to go around real quick and guys give your key to the game. What what needs to happen to to really make sure that we get a win on Sunday and Shepard, go ahead and start us off. So my biggest key to winning this game is getting pressure on Joe Flacco. And again, I don't think that that's going to be difficult for the Colts to do. Um, But if the Colts can get pressure, Flacco's gun shy because he's already been hit a lot. He's not he's not a young quarterback um, and he's going to get hit a lot more. And so he's we've already seen him make mistakes this year based on pressure, Um, you know, even if even if he doesn't make any big mistakes and throw picks, um, hitting him, he's gonna he's gonna be gun shy. He's gonna throw the ball away. He's not gonna make good decisions, um, and that's really all it's gonna take to win this game. Because even even if the Broncos even if the Broncos limit us to ten points on offense, I think that the Colts defense is good enough to stop Joe Flacco uh, from scoring. 10 points, 11 points, really. I think that, I think that that's entirely possible. Um, and I don't think that the Colts are going to have that much trouble scoring on the Broncos defense. Uh, but you know, stranger things have happened, but get to Joe Flacco, hit him, make him make mistakes and and the Colts win this game easy. Makes sense. How about you, Jim? Yeah, I think stop the run, force them into that situation, you know, force them to, uh, you know, beat you with the pass, which they're, looks like they're not going to. So, yeah, I'd say if you can shut down that run game, which is the only thing they do have, then you'll have the opportunity to hit Flacco as many times as you like. Well, and that's important, too, because the Colts have had a couple of good games against the run, but they do have to continue to show that they can do that. That's And, and that's my concern. So that's why I think they really definitely need to focus on that. At least I hope they are. I'm sure I'm sure they are in some way, shape or form. They're not stupid, clearly. Uh, but, you know, they struggled with it up front, but we're getting healthy and if Sheard's good to go, I don't think it should be a problem. So mine is a little bit in the same uh, kind of vein, but it's on the different side of the ball. So uh, in order to kind of force them into that playing from behind position, they have to start fast. They've got to have a fast start. They've got to get out to you know to a quick start on offense. They've done that really well. Um, Jacoby Brissett, that was the thing that impressed me the most about the the start of his game on Sunday was that he, he came out of the gate looking really solid in control and they had a good – uh, first script went through it looked really w- looked you know they played really well they've got to do that again 
get a fast start, wrong foot the Broncos and make them play from behind for the whole game. And that's just going to allow them to tee off on Joe Flacco. And, you know, if they can do that and get a good start from the beginning, I think that they'll be in business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that uh, all of those are all of those are, are good things. And I think that they I mean, there are a lot of ways to beat the Broncos, don't get me wrong, but those, those, those things are, are going to be key in this game. All right, so mm. bold predictions. Do you guys remember your bold predictions? Because mine, if you don't, I'll, start, I'll, I'll talk about mine while you think about it. But um, do you remember what bold predictions you guys made? Yeah, I do. Oh, mm-hmm. Go for it. I do. Okay, so what was your bold prediction, Jim? Uh, mine was one you guys, or at least you made fun of. We uh, all made fun of. Yeah. Easily, because I'm easy to make fun of, was that uh, Kari Willis would have three tackles for a loss, and he did not. So it was a hot take. It was yeah. spicy. Yeah. <laughs> it was so <laughs> spicy. Uh, but he didn't have a terrible game. So, no. but but he did not have specifically those three tackles for a loss. So so tell me, who had more tackles for a loss, Kari Willis or Ben Banigou? Who mm. did Banigou? I think he. Ha- he had at least one. I don't know if Kari Willis had any. I don't think Kari Willis I know. had any. Yeah. Well, see, I tried to tell you, you needed to go roll with your boy Banigou. I know. The one, I, I, closer. The one time I, I don't go with the Banigou prediction. Well, I guess I haven't made one for a while. I've been on the Kari Willis train for a while. Yeah, you have been. That's all right. And Banigou had a really nice one, too. It was it was very excellent. Yeah, it definitely Stop. was. He he had some yeah, moments had a nice in that move game. It was and, nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Shepard, what was yours? Mine was that Jacoby Brissett would uh, would set a new career high for passing yards in a game. And I think he actually he, literally barely did. He did. He did. I think he, he I think he did by like six yards or something, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. I think you're right. I think it was like five or six yards. But the fact of the matter is mm-hmm. he did. He did. And also, that's a prediction that I can keep in my back pocket because he only broke it by like five or six <laughs> yards. So, so you can make that prediction. Yeah, again. you could make that prediction again and yep. not feel too bad about it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I did not get my prediction. Like Jim, I failed. Yes, um, I failed miserably. So I I predicted that Ty Hilton would have his. I mean, my prediction <laughs> was beyond bold. My prediction was stupid. If we're just being honest, uh, because I predicted, I believe Ty had to have two hundred and twenty-five yards receiving. Um, <laughs> which is just absurd because acting like that's just a normal thing that should happen is just silliness. But, you know, he, he had a good game. He had 74 yards and a touchdown, which seems like a down game against the Texans for him. But still, good game overall. Unfortunately, uh, Zach Pascal stole 106 yards from him and basically everybody else who caught a pass caught passes instead of it just going to T.Y. Hilton the whole game. And so I did not win my uh my bold prediction, but I am okay with that. I'm, I'm willing to deal with the outcome because they played really well as a result of spreading the ball around. And it may be that the, the time has come and gone for TY to have those kind of crazy numbers because the offense is just going to be more balanced than that. So um, didn't win that, didn't get that bold prediction, but I'm ready to take another crack at this week, make another bold prediction. I'll let one of you guys go first though. Uh, whoever's got yours ready, go for it and uh, throw out there that bold prediction for this week that hopefully will be, well, I mean, as successful, Shepard, if it's you who are more successful for Gemini. <laughs> uh, I'll go because uh, okay. I'm going to take some low-hanging fruit here. There you go. <laughs> and I'm going to say we get uh, six sacks, and one of those is a sack fumble. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I think that I think that, that is uh, – it's bold because that's a lot of sacks. 
mm-hmm. but I also think that you're in uh, you're in pretty good position there, sir. Yeah, that's, that's, that you. seems bold, but it also doesn't seem unachievable. It doesn't seem unachievable. <laughs> right. Well, and I was almost right about the five plus in week one, so I'm just going to go around and, and give it a shot again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. I like it. And I will like it even more if it comes true because it will mean misery for Joe Flacco. He yeah, will be, be fun to watch. They will, they will catch him on mic'd up saying that he's seeing ghosts um, <laughs> like Sam Darnold. All right. Yep. What do you got, Shepard? Oh, gosh. So, um, all right. This one's going to be gold because uh, gold. It's going to be gold and bold. I feel stupid, but whatever. I said gold <laughs> instead of bold. Um, so this one's going to be bold mostly because he really hasn't been used as much as what I thought he would be used and as much as probably what a lot of people thought. Um, but I think Naheem Hines is probably going to have – he's going to have somewhere between six and eight catches. Um, and again, a lot of it is because of what I saw on tape against the, the Broncos defense. The best way to beat them is moving the ball with short throws to backs, tight ends, even receivers on, you know, running short routes and short concepts. Um, I think that, you know, the Colts have used Marlon Mack a lot. Um, but I don't, I mean, if you can, if you can rest up Marlon Mack against a team like the Broncos, not that you, not that you rest him up in situations where you need him to play, but at the same time, if you can take some of that workload away in a game that you should win and that you're, you're going to win. And as long as you're not playing from behind or, you know, needing to, as long as there's no real urgency, um, you know, get Naheem Hines involved, get him some of those passes. We saw him catch a ball last week. Um, but you know, I think that he's going to have somewhere six, seven, eight catches in this game. And, and uh, I think he'll have a, a nice day uh, against this defense. All right. Sounds good. Uh, now I'm going to be a little bit less bold in my prediction because my boldest predictions just never work. And what will happen still is I'll still miss this one, but um, so I'm going to predict that Malik Hooker is going to make a, a, an interception in his first game back. Okay. And, uh, and I'm not going to take credit if Kari Willis or, you know, a cornerback <laughs> in the vicinity of, of Malik Hooker, I'm not even going to take credit if, if they're bracketing, uh, the receiver and it's like, Oh, Pierre Desir got that pick, but it was made possible by Malik Hooker. I'm giving no credit. I'm noting here. So if I try to take credit later, you guys can crush me. Uh, I'm, I'm not, a, I will not be accepting partial credit for this one. This is a all or nothing because it is a little bit wimpier and it's, seems like it's a pretty possible scenario that that Joe Flacco is going to toss one up uh he's going to get he's going to get hit you know you're going to have have somebody coming off the edge you're going to have Nico Autry in the middle wreaking havoc and he's going to throw one up and and create an opportunity for Malik Hooker to to come over the top and get a pick so I, I think he's going to make his presence known right away um you know on return and and get a pick so that's going to be my bold prediction this week well, if Shepard's blooper reel for uh, uh, for Flacco, that was beautiful, by the way. Excellent work. I, I must add, if, if that's any um, indication of what to expect, the defensive backs will have to make little to no effort. Some passes might just float effortlessly into their hands. <laughs> So I, I don't think, yeah, that might be might be the least bold take you've had yet. Well, that, that that does good for me because I have not done well with bold predictions. So I need them to be less bold. You came down to earth big time. Yeah, I had to. Well, I, I, I thought about saying like well, Eric Ebron's going to have 700 receiving yards, but I thought maybe that seems stupid. So um, I decided not to do that instead. Um, let's go ahead and predict this game. So, so Jim, what do you think? What's the uh, score and outcome for this one? I'm thinking 28-17. Broncos? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, I mean, we've been saying the whole time that Colts are going to win this game. But um, yeah. no, I think 2017 Colts. Uh, I think, you know, from what I've heard from Shepard and what I have seen a little bit this season, that their defense is still decent. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be, we're going to, you know, run, you know, a, four, a 30 plus or maybe, even, you know, eh, maybe 30 would be bad, but not, you know, anything much more than that. I think we're still going to be pretty level on that. So, yeah, I think 28-17's my go-to. All right. Shepard? So I think that this is one where the, the Colts are going to kind of try to control the clock. Um, they're going to kind of – not necessarily that they have to, but I think that that is, again, moving the ball slowly down the field uh, is the most effective way so far that teams have shown uh, the ability to, to beat this Broncos team. Um, so I think that probably it's going to be pretty low scoring. Um, I think the Colts maybe come out with, uh, 17 points, and I think the Broncos are going to put up six, maybe. Okay, that's that's not too far. Oh, wow. from, that's not too far from what I. So I had a little bit more for the Colts. I I was thinking 24, but I've I've got 24 to nine is my score. Okay. For the Colts. Oh, I'm giving the Broncos too much credit then. Apparently. Well, so what I'm thinking for the Broncos, and this is just true of the, of the Colts in general, it's really hard for them to have a shutout because they do let teams get yards. They just are they clamp yeah. down in the uh, in the red zone, and so unless their kicker is terrible, and I don't think that's the case, you're you're dealing with a person who's probably going to be able to hit three or four field goals, so I have opportunities to do so. I, I think when the Colts shut the Cowboys out, it was really fluky, and they made some really bad. Um, really bad calls on the offensive side of the football to make sure that that was possible. And so I just don't anticipate them. I, I would say a shutout, but I just don't think that they can realistically do that given the, the style of defense that they play. So I think, I think 24 to nine. Um, I think that's my prediction. Yeah, I think that's good. I think it's solid. I, you know, I think that um, it's not going to take a lot of points to win this game. Uh, and, you know, no matter what happens, I don't really foresee a way that the Colts don't, come out on top crazier things have happened for sure uh and i know that i've been pretty positive with other games that i've been wrong about this year um but just watching watching these broncos they're not they're not a good football team maybe they'll come out and they'll rally around the fact that they traded away uh you know their number two wide receiver uh i don't i don't really foresee that happening um, but yeah, I, I don't think that the Colts lose this one. All right. Well, guys, the last thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, is our Jersey giveaway. We got about a week left on that and we've gotten an uptick in some entries and that's exciting. Um, but still need to get more people involved. Um, so like I said, we got a week left. Share that if you know, get that out there. I know some of you have mentioned to me that you're not interested in that word getting out there anymore because your name is already in and you don't want to muddy the water. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we want more people involved. Give your sh- give yourself a, a shot to win. Uh, reach out if you have trouble. Uh, we've had a couple people reach out and that have had issues figuring out how to. Um, how to do reviews. I know we had somebody reach out who listens on Spotify. And so we were trying to find solutions for people who listen in different ways and, and how to be able to get plugged in on the contest and still have a shot to win. We definitely appreciate you reaching out and I'm willing to help you however I can. But yeah, it's very simple. You go to the Stampede Blue podcasts page. It's going to be that tweet that has all the directions and everything is pinned right there. You just retweet that and follow all the instructions contained in it. And you know you follow all of us on Twitter and that's really all there is to it. It's not too complex. You write a review on, on, you know, 
for our podcast and, and rate us. And we've got lots of new reviews. Really appreciate that. That boosts us up. That gets our visibility up there. So not only does it make it easier to find our podcast, but then when people do find our podcast, uh, they hear good things about us. So uh, that's that's really appreciated. And then as a as a way to say thank you, we're gonna give somebody a T.Y. Hilton jersey and you're going to want it because this team looks like they're going to be around for a while. Uh, so you're going to want that jersey ready for when uh, the football mm-hmm. games really start to count. I think over the next few weeks as we watch this team go, I think we're going to really start to see some heads turn with this Colts team and, and people starting to say like, how is this team as good as it is? Uh, they're not supposed to be good because there's been a lot of teams. I mean, they've started to show those things early and nobody's really paying attention yet. But I think if you're, if you're here, uh, you're realizing this team is maybe a little bit different, and there's going to be some things down the stretch uh, that are going to turn heads. You'll be, you know, there to say "I told you so" with your T.Y. Hilton jersey if you are entered into this, this contest. So, uh, take advantage of that, get it done. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Chris Blystone at NFL Scheme at Jim Campbell eighty uh, one. Check out our work on Stampede Blue. And it's been a rough week for all of us, so that's a little bit few and far between, but. Um, you know, check that out. And obviously next week we will attempt to actually have two podcasts for you and not try to cram it all into one podcast. Uh, but mm-hmm. we're all kind of beat and the, the wear and tear of this season is wearing us down a little bit because like Chris said, we don't have, we all, we all have other jobs. So these are not our jobs. This is just a thing that we do, uh, and we enjoy, but you know, this is just kind of an extra thing. So it, there's a little bit of a grind to it. And, and we're, you know, when we have a hectic week, it tends to throw things completely off. So um, we'll, we'll try to be back to a normal schedule to be able to give you a breakdown and uh, you know, all, all of the good stuff we normally do on our midweek podcast and then uh, have our regular game preview as we kind of get into this stretch of games that the Colts really should be able to put some distance on other teams with. And Guys, I think that's all we've got today. I don't think there's anything else. I think we've pretty much covered it all. We, we didn't go too terribly long and still managed to give you that recap. And I don't think we have anybody going to the, Jim, are you going to this? Are you going to be at this game? Anybody? Shepard, I, I assume Shepard is not, not flying there, no. in from Kansas City no. uh, after having experienced that recently and had having no. flight issues. I have a feeling you don't want to do that again. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed my time in Indiana, but um, yeah, flying from Indiana to Baltimore uh, with a two-year-old when you used to have a direct flight. Um, it, I, you know, I love my kid, but man, I don't want to do that again. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I yep, can that understand sounds that. Awful. So I will also not be at this game unless, you know, one of the many players who is trying to give away tickets gives me tickets. And in that case, I'll be at the game and I'll be very excited. But otherwise, I'm going to be watching from home like all of you. <laughs> and I'm going to be excited to see the Colts. Hopefully they play well. Not a whole lot of really exciting games this week. This is, not an, uh, this, is a, this is a grind week. This is not an exciting game week necessarily. This is a get through it. You need to win your games and keep going forward. And uh, the Colts are getting healthy. We're going to get a chance to see what the safety look like and lots of things to look forward to this week so uh, like i said check us out on stampede blue check out all that content leading up to the game and then check back with us next week midweek and uh we'll get back with you and be recapping everything that we've learned so until then guys we'll catch you later laters bye